Thank you, guys. Well, if you've got your Bible, what I want to do real quick is just to walk through an outline of John 15, verses 1 through 8. Just real quick so that we can kind of lay the groundwork for where we're going in this series. And so John 15, he gives an illustration. And so to unpack this illustration, it's an agricultural illustration. And so look with me at verse 1. John 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. And every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And so we learn a lot just in this very beginning. We learn who the illustration is about, that Jesus is the vine. We learn that God the Father is the farmer or the vine dresser. And then we also learn that there's these branches. And verse 5 tells us who the branches are. The branches are the disciples. And so we begin to to piece together this, this illustration he gives. But it's important for us to see in this illustration that, that one, the, the verbs are all attributed to God the Father, that he is the one doing this action. And then connected to that is the purpose of what distinguishes how he acts, that it's for fruit. The purpose of the disciple is to bear fruit. Well, why is that important? Well, all the way down at verse 8 is we see why fruit is important. It's important because it's in producing fruit that we glorify God, that that's our chief goal in life is to glorify God. And so how do we do that? How do we glorify God? We glorify him by bearing fruit. But then you might think that Jesus' farewell discourse would then, Jesus might tell the disciples, so go and do this and go and do that and go and do this and do these things and read your Bible and pray and go to church and do all these things, but that's not what he does. He does something totally different. There's actually a cause and effect relationship that Jesus is going to unpack for us. And so look at verses 3, and we see this declaration. He says to these disciples, he says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now, that's interesting. There's a play on words there in the Greek. Then this, this word prune is an idea of cleaning. So he, he cleans branches so that they produce more fruit, but Jesus is telling specifically these disciples of his, but, but you're already pruned. You're already clean because of the word of God, which he has spoken to them. Well, what is that? Well, he's spoken to them the gospel, that by faith in him, they can be reconciled back. To continue with our analogy, it might be that, that in our sin, we're separated, cut off, from God. But yet in the gospel, in the good news that Jesus came to die on a cross, then he reconciles us or grafts us in. That he brings us back in that we might have life flowing through us from the vine. That that he connects us. And so today if you've never trusted in Christ, then today's a great day to do that to put your faith in Jesus, to recognize the fact that you, because of your sin, are separated from a holy God, but that Jesus has offered you something that you couldn't achieve on your own, which is forgiveness of sins, salvation, and he offers that by faith. So he gives this declaration to his disciples that you're already clean because of this, 
So they're already grafted in. Verse four, here's where he goes. He's going to give them the challenge, the exhortation. So what is it that he tells them to do? Abide. Abide in me. And there's a promise that's connected with that, that, that as we abide in Christ, then there's the promise, and I in you, that, that they're connected there, that as we abide in Christ, then Christ abides in us. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in Christ. That the purpose of our life to glorify God is not able to be accomplished apart from remaining, dwelling, abiding in Christ. That it's just not possible. And so Jesus then kind of readdresses this illustration, but he's going to give us the application of it. So this is where this whole illustration comes to a point. Verses five through seven, look at it. The application. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So he, he paints this picture. It's really unique. In verse two, he says, branches are cut off if they don't bear fruit. But then here in verse six, he says, branches are cut off that wither away that don't abide. So he's making this connection that, that we oftentimes look at it as this cause and effect. We would go, no fruit, cut off the branch. But Jesus backs this up and he goes, no abiding means no fruit. And it's the abiding that produces the fruit. See, we flip this. We think that let me produce a bunch of fruit, that way Jesus will be happy with me and he won't cut me off, right? Isn't that how our mind twists this, that we focus on all these external things to do and we just walk through the book of James, right? James tells us a lot of things to do and he tells us how the Christian ought to live and he tells us that how you live matters. But it's so important because you gotta get the right order to this, the cause and then the effect, that, that it's abiding that produces fruit. See, it's not actually even you that produces it. It's Christ in you that produces it. As an illustration of this, I think that we can see what this looks like when it's done poorly. You look at the Pharisees. They had a whole bunch of what seemed like good Christian fruit. They had things memorized. They were at church all the time. They had community. They, they kept tabs on each other. They did all these things, and yet... Jesus said to him, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You're dead. You look pretty on the outside, but, but you're dead. There's no connection to the life-giving source of Christ. And therefore, it's dead. See, it, it's so important for us that we not get this out of order. But 
But it's so cool what Jesus then does because he doesn't leave us just in this place of saying like, well, I hope I bear some fruit. He leaves us with this incredible picture. Look at verse seven. That if we do abide, if we do abide, then in Christ's words are abiding in us. Then he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, those passages scare preachers to death because it's like the potential for people to be like, well, I prayed and it hasn't happened. Or I've been asking, why is it not happening? Well, there's some conditionals that Christ is abiding in us and we're abiding in him and his words abiding in us. And so there's, there's a framework for this. But catch this part. The power that is yours and at your disposable is the God who spoke the world into existence flowing through you. That you're abiding in the resurrected Christ. That that's the power that you have pulsing through you as a believer. Do you believe that? Why do we not ask far more extravagant things for God to do. That that's who dwells in us and pulses through us and desires to bear fruit to his glory, it'll radically transform your prayer life. When you dwell with Christ and he dwells in you, when you make your home with him. But I think that still we've gotten so Christian-y that we've got a bunch of stuff to do and they're good things. And we're gonna talk about some of them in this series of, of reading the Bible, prayer. We're gonna talk about these things. But I think sometimes we get them out of order. When sometimes I think Jesus would just say, but do you just wanna be with me? Would you just sit and be with me? Not look for a nugget to tweet or to post not look for an answer to fix the problem, but, but am I enough? Would you just be with me? Would you dwell with me? See, I think we see this with our kids sometimes. Sometimes your kids are constantly asking, Daddy, can I, Daddy, can I have this? Can I do this? Daddy. But sometimes they just show up in the room and they just want to be with me. They just want to dwell. They just want to stay. They want to remain there. And I wonder, when's the last time that, that you just wanted to be with Jesus? I just want to be near. I just want to sit in your presence. I just want to know your nearness. John finishes this text, verse 8, and he says, By this, by abiding, by remaining, by dwelling, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. But we know that there's no fruit that's produced apart from abiding in Christ. My challenge this week is to spend five minutes every day just to sit in his presence, just to be with him. Now, hopefully, you'll come back next week going, all right, 
now what? I've been sitting in his presence. Or you'll come back and you'll go, I don't know how to be in his presence. And that's what we're going to walk through in this text is, is the word of God gives us a way to just be with Jesus. That he might bear fruit in us that glorifies him. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you might show yourself beautiful. Lord, that, that right now you might remind us of our salvation. When you were the most glorious thing, when you were all we wanted, when you were all we needed, just to be with you and in your presence. God, would you take us back to that? To be reminded of your faithfulness, that we might abide with you. God, I pray this week, Lord, that you would be near to us. Just to sit in your presence, to dwell with you, to remain. Lord, that that might be a catalyst that you might produce in us and through us fruit which we can't produce in and of ourselves. We can do nothing apart from you. But God, that you might do it in us for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.